This holiday season, pay tribute to the people who fought for our freedom to celebrate. Featuring the largest American flag in the region, Spirit Park is now open at National Harbor, honoring active duty military and veterans. Take some time this holiday to remember, offer gratitude, and be inspired by the sacrifices of our service men and women who make our way of life possible. Plan your visit at nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. That's nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. So Luther, I think, gave us the formula for how to handle these things. It's you stand on Scripture alone and let the chips fall where they may. We're on the we're on the same side. We may disagree on certain theological issues, yeah, but, I, but I, we're I, on I, the same I, side. No, not at all. And, and look how nice we are to each other. No, I enjoy this and uh, appreciate all you do out there for the Lord. Yeah. It's like you know what. What are you doing? You're spending all your time trying to destroy another Christian because you don't understand what's going on when you should be out there winning people for Jesus. Uh, we're not supposed to be blind sheep. We're supposed to be Bereans. And so just to, no matter who it's in, this goes for everybody. Um, you're, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of yours. I'm a big fan. <laughs> it, it's, it's true. I, I love watching you and I love hearing what you have to say. And I think you're a, a great blessing to the body of Christ. Everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Conversations with Jeff. I'm really excited to bring back Ken Peters back to the podcast. Welcome, Ken. I'm glad we can sit down again. Hey, Jeff. God bless you, man. It's an honor. I, it, you invited me back. It's my second time. I must not have done too bad my first interview. No, you were. You know, you, to be to be honest, the the most the most comments that I've gotten about about a guest were probably yours, and everybody just kept saying like, "Man, that guy is just so happy." <laughs> well, I, I guess it could be worse. I mean, yeah. it could say worse things about a guy. Right? Yeah, exa- exactly. So, yeah, well, I'm, I'm really glad to have you back. And you've, you've been, th- you've gone through a whole lot and you've, you've got your whole church at Planned Parenthood and everything's been growing crazy since the last time I had you on. Man, and it's a, it's a perfect time to talk to you because we have a service like once, uh, once a month and we just had our last service last night mm-hmm. so it's it's fresh on me man so yeah. um yeah a lot has happened i think we had our eighth or ninth i think we had our ninth service um so we've been going for nine months now and uh it was unbelievable last night unbelievable yeah well you know like i think i think the last time that we had you on was was like a couple of weeks before your first one so i think last time we had you on we hadn't e- you hadn't even actually done a service if i if i'm remembering correctly so no kidding. It, wow it's pretty crazy wow. how time flies oh my goodness yeah no, i was <laughs> not aware of that i was not aware of that yeah that was a while ago yeah yeah exactly so so i know we we kind of so we kind of talked about it a little bit you know like last time but cl- but clearly things weren't the way they are now so let's back up a little bit share kind of like what was what you were thinking or like what put the idea in your head to do this project of having the church at Planned Parenthood 
Yeah, absolutely. We had the, the president of Operation Save America. It used to be the old Operation Rescue. Do you remember Operation Rescue from way back in the day? Yeah, yeah, to... yeah, for sure. Yeah, so it was that organization with Randall Terry and those guys. Well, the president of that organization, um, is his name is Rusty Thomas. And we had him uh, speak at our church, and he was just talk. I mean, obviously, he focuses on the unborn. And um, so in the middle of the church service, I had been wanting to plant a church in the middle of the church service. I got this crazy idea. Like I felt this idea hit me that uh, the next church that I plant should be the church at Planned Parenthood. And so I got up and I announced it to the church and my wife was there and Rusty Thomas, the speaker was there. And they all just kind of looked at me like like a deer in headlights. And, uh, yeah, so then at that point, I was committed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it took me about two to three months to get up enough, to get up enough guts to actually do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I began to prepare from that, that point on. Okay, yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so then when did you, did you get any, what kind of blowback have you gotten? Have you had any like roadblocks from the city or anything from actually Planned Parenthood themselves? What's been the response from like that side of things? Oh man, it's been, uh, it's been war on, on every side. We, I never realized within the pro-life movement, there are different factions and groups Mm -hmm. within the pro-life movement. I mean, I'm the new guy on the block. I, I, literally just got into this and this thing exploded. So, so, and I don't know what I'm getting into. Right. But there's all these groups within, uh, the pro-life kind of abolitionist movement. And so there's been a ton of infighting there. And I hate that because if there's anything we should be able to unify on, it should be the great Holocaust we got, we have going on in our country uh, when it comes to the, the unborn. Um, so that's been a battle. Um, then Planned Parenthood, of course, has made different threats, nothing official, but they've made verbal of threats to city council, to politicians, people we know on the inside of things. They've made uh, threats of suing me civilly, uh, you know, with a civil suit trying to take my home from me or whatever, because um, I'm using the name Planned Parenthood, even though our name is the church at Planned Parenthood. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, so there's been a, there's been a, threats of lawsuits, and they've complained to the city about us blocking sidewalks. So we've had to literally in our services draw a chalk line on the sidewalk and make sure that we don't block the sidewalks. Listen, nobody at Planned Parenthood was using the sidewalk anyway. It, right. It, yeah. It's literally they're just throwing anything at us they possibly can. So we're conforming, and we're working with the city as best we can. But yeah, there's been there's been absolute battles on every side yeah now now how how much how much of this did you expect when you were starting this or did this just kind of all blindside you blindside you (laughs) you know i kind of expected the the battle from planned parenthood and and maybe the city Mm -hmm. but i never expected the battle i've had with people on our side of the issue yeah (laughs) People that I felt like should be applauding me and cheering me on, going, wow, there's a pastor that's actually standing up for the unborn, you know? I I thought my own side would would be more happy with me, Mm -hmm. but I've 
I've gathered a ton of criticism, uh, but uh, it's kind of the criticism from our own camp is kind of uh, tapered down now. Now it seems like the battle is coming from the outside instead of from within. So it's yeah. kind of shifted from battles within to now. Now Planned Parenthood and the like last night we had uh, like first story on the, the local CBS News here in Spokane. They said hundreds of protesters uh, looks like are going to be at the church at Planned Parenthood protesting the church at Planned Parenthood. Well, they didn't even have a hundred there. Yeah. <laughs> and, and of course, CBS News is not going to mention that about 500 people are going to come out in stormy, rainy, thunder and lightning weather and and be out there taking a stand for the unborn, praying prayers of repentance, singing songs uh, of praise to the Lord, uh, uh, exposing the, the wickedness of Planned Parenthood. You know, one of my speakers last night, uh, was a lady uh, with live action mm-hmm. who has literally gone undercover and caught Planned Parenthood doing things that that uh, are just despicable and proving that they they're they're all about just abortions and money mm-hmm. selling baby potty, body parts. So I literally had an undercover lady. That, that has exposed Planned Parenthood as our speaker last night. It was fantastic. Oh, yeah. You know, and live action, they're, they're a great organization. I, and I know that uh, – I uh, what's the leaders? Is it is it Lila Rose, I think, is the head yes. person? Yes. yes so I, I, I saw a podcast where she went on Dave Rubin's podcast. And I like, I like Dave Rubin because he's one of those guys. I mean, he's clearly – he's not a Christian, um, but he's willing to talk to anybody and everybody basically, right? And he he describes himself as begrudgingly pro-choice, but he's like, as time is going on and the more insane the left is getting, he's like, I'm getting harder and harder for me to like defend that position, which I appreciate. At least he's open, right? But yeah. Lila Rose goes on and she's like breaking down the actual numbers for how much they make like per body part and per whatever it is. And it's so not only are they getting paid on the front end by by the parent that's coming in for the abortion, but they're getting paid on the back end. After the fact for selling off the body, but it's just, it's, it's nuts. The kind of the business model they have, you know, I think scripture says that the, the love of money is the root of all evil. And some translations say all kinds of evil, but you can often find at the, at the bottom of every kind of, kind of evil and sin going on. There's, there's a dollar sign. There's a, there's a money thing driving it. And yeah, I think money definitely drives Planned Parenthood. Uh, they might they might try to say like oh we're here for other things not abortion abortion is just a little thing that you know that we do on the side that's that's not true they they abortions provide their money besides government besides your taxes and my taxes right uh, ab- abortion um, provides them with the money and we're finding out now can you believe it we're finding out that they're uh, using fetal tissue in vaccinations and stuff like that so i I had not i had not heard that yeah it's absolute it's it's true it's true they're they're exposing one of the ladies i had was exposing that that they're using fetal tissue now it doesn't you know when you read the you know how when you read uh, ingredients Mm -hmm. in food or something half the stuff i'm like i don't even know what that is exactly it's good so i'm gonna eat it right yeah same thing they're discovering that there's They've got different names for it, but it's absolute aborted cells, 
stem cells and aborted fetal tissue in vaccinations. So what's the problem there? Once again, money. Mm-hmm. Money is what's driving uh, a lot of this stuff. And you, and you think about it, when it came to slavery, isn't that what it was like with slavery? I mean, at the bottom of the slavery issue was the drive for money. Yeah. I I feel, I feel like that's that's the drive for most of the problems that we that we're facing in the country is it all comes down to where, where these big powerful organizations can just keep bringing in the dollar you know and, and we're and we're seeing that problem too on a different issue but just within pushing social justice within even like the Southern Baptist Convention and within the Gospel Coalition like we're seeing that money is really changing their positions and it's like these guys that you never thought would compromise are now compromising and then you follow the money it's like it's the same people that are funding planned parenthood in reality right. yeah what a bunch of panderers some of our what what used to i think were our best speakers mm-hmm. you know like like i hope i'm not getting in any trouble here but but old old david platt like yeah. david platt was like my favorite guy I was mm-hmm. playing David Platt in my church. I hope I'm not making you upset. I'm just saying. I don't avoid the controversy. People know that. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Great. But but David Platt was like my favorite guy. Yeah. And then then he had then Trump comes in and gets prayed for. I'm not defending Trump. He's he, Trump is Trump. But but uh, I I love Trump. But mm-hmm. uh, that's not my, the point I'm making. Um, and then that just becomes it's it's just such pandering. It's pandering to the different ethnic groups. It's pandering to the the millennials coming up. And I think at the bottom of it all, you can find you know cons, you know you you want people, you want congregants, you want a following, and so money is kind of money and influence and power is kind of at the bottom of it. Yeah, it's it 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 really is nuts. And I I remember, I remember it was several months ago. I remember seeing you on or hearing you on Brandon House's show, and you were talking about how you had left the Gospel Coalition. Um, you know, with having your church being associated with them. Um, what what was kind of the final straw when it came to that decision to break away from them? Yeah, the final straw was was uh, just the liberalism and the leftism and the, and the democratic Democrat talking points coming out of our own gospel preachers. I mean, I'm like, I can't be a part of that. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to become a Democrat. I'm not going to become a, a liberal. I'm not going to pander to millennials and, and uh, our beautiful black uh, Americans that, that are in our country. I'm not going to pander. Mm-hmm. The gospel is the gospel. And, and God hates abortion. I mean, abortion is is absolutely uh, brut- the brutal murder of human beings. Marriage is what God says marriage is. Now, now our nation has a month. Can you believe it? The month of June is like immorality month. And mm-hmm. we're looking at rainbows. They stole our rainbow, which, by the way, the rainbow would be a perfect symbol for them to uh, make as their own because it was God's promise to not kill people that were doing that. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, if if I'm going to live a Sodom and Gomorrah lifestyle or a days of Noah lifestyle, then, yeah, I'll take the rainbow as my symbol. But still, in the month of June, we've got it's like Pride Month. It's like Immorality Month. And and that's what we have going on in our nation. So our preachers 
when the enemy comes like in like a flood, our preachers need to raise up a standard against it, not cater to it. So, so these TGC guys became, in my opinion, no greater than the seeker sensitive guys who are pandering to culture in some areas, right? In order to win the world to them. Now we got TGC guys. They're doing the same thing. It's just another version of seeker sensitivity where let's pander to the progressives and see if we can get them in our church and call it gospel, which is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And so, you know, it, it's it's really crazy how, to me, like looking at how the Gospel Coalition's carrying itself and they're going more and more progressive, more and more left and that sort of thing. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think, at least as far as I know, I don't think they've gone so far as to, let's say, um, support abortion. But I feel like right. they've, they've gotten to the point, though, where they say it's okay to vote for a pro-choice candidate. Right. What What's your position or what's your take on that kind of a statement? That's a great distinction, and I think you're spot on. So they'll say we're pro-life, but they don't care about it enough to say um, you should never, ever vote for anyone uh, who does not have a strong, committed pro-life stance. So what you're seeing is then a compromise. My my feelings on, on the issue are um, if you're not pro-life, then I don't think you have brains or discernment uh, enough to make any other decision because you've blown it so bad on that one thing. Mm-hmm. Now I completely disrespect you. Um, this Holocaust is the first great evil primary evil in our country today we've got we have all kinds of evil there's no doubt about it. there's all, there's many sins but adults murdering human beings is a very very bad sin jesus when he talked about adults harming little kids talked about a millstone and a rope and an ocean and of course we know that uh, jesus was talking about causing a young one to sin but this is this is literally murdering uh little defenseless babies so if you can't make a right choice on that and you can't take a strong stance on that then you have no business being in office and and a christian has no business voting for somebody that is uh pro-choice just god-awful yeah yeah you know and the thing the thing is is that it's one of those things where you know somebody like trump he he didn't always used to be pro-life right right um, he seems to have come, come around and luckily he seems to be the, the most pro-life president in the sense of what he's actually doing. Obviously right. I wish he was doing more and that sort of thing, but do you think there could be an argument to be made? And again, I don't know what the right answer on this is, but if let's hypothetically say that you had two candidates that were running for president let's say you had one that said abortion is okay up until birth. And then the other one said that abortion is okay only up through, let's say, the first trimester, right? Could you could you see an argument then to voting for the person that says it's okay up to the first trimester just as a way of, okay, it's baby steps in the right direction and it's it's making sure it's at least saving some lives. And again, I'm just throwing it out there just as like a hypothetical of, okay, we got to think through these issues. What, how do, How do we handle that kind of a thing? Well, in that case, I think we've got two bummer candidates. <laughs> no, no, that's I would agree with you there. So the first thing I would do is get depressed for a little while and maybe try to get some meds or something to help me deal with it. Not really, but yeah. um, th- that that would be a really bad situation. That that's right, and, and I'm 
you know, I'm not a never Trump. I'm I'm right. boldly pro Trump. <laughs> I think I think he's a great friend. I don't condone his behavior right. uh, from the past or, or or whatever, but I think he's a a really, really, really good president, mm-hmm. and uh, he has taken a pro life stance. He's not as strong as I would like to see him on the the whole LGBT. Q thing, but he's definitely stronger than than Hillary or Obama or Biden or anybody else would have been. Mm-hmm. So that's it. That you know what? That's a very difficult hypothetical. I would probably still vote for the guy that believed it was okay for the first trimester. I would, uh, you know, express my disappointment in that belief, but I'd probably still vote for him. You know, I'm I'm pro any hit, any restriction uh, on abortion, of course. My personal belief is it needs to be abolished with no exceptions. I believe it's absolute uh, murder, mm-hmm. and uh, that's my personal position. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. You know, and for for me, I would totally, I would totally agree with you. I feel like to to a certain degree, I think that sometimes we have to be careful as Christians in in the sense of seeing even just steps in the right direction. being a compromise and being a bad thing because for me i would i would rather let's just hypothetically say that there's a state that allows abortion up to birth right i would gladly take that first step and get get that law to the first trimester you know what i mean like it's it's to me it's you look at the situation how can we save as many lives as we possibly can i would rather save some lives than no lives because we probably wouldn't be able to go from abortion at birth all the way to abolish it completely so it's it's kind of this it's this weird situation where it sucks to have to compromise but at the same time we have to look at this is the end goal we got to just keep heading in that in that heading in that direction yeah and that's part of i was talking to you before about some of the infighting that i have experienced within the pro-life abolitionist movement so you have these two types of groups you got the abolitionists in in this world that i'm now in uh, abolitionists and they won't compromise on anything. They're like complete abolition of abortion. Um, we got to stick with the laws of God. We can't support any other law that doesn't match up to the word of God completely. And, uh, that they're against incrementalism. They're against this, what you just explained, this making progress towards an end goal. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you got the pro-lifers and they're kind of soft in some ways. Like they'll say, some of them will say they're pro-life just to get elected or just because it's the Republican thing to do. But when a law comes up that, that is really pro-life and, and, and would abolish abortion in their state or whatever, then they get soft on it and they get kind of, kind of sissy on it. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm like caught in this world and I'm like, yeah, the abolitionists, they have the right laws and the right ideas. They have the, where we need to be. That is ideal but then you look at what you just explained, which is reality. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between what's ideal and what's real. Yeah. What's real is we might not get a complete abolition law. I mean, if you put that on the table, I'm going to push it. I'm going to go for it. You know, why not go for a grand slam? Exactly. Sometimes, yeah. Right. So, and, and, so, and, and some states have gone for it, too, you know, which is great. Absolutely. So you go for a grand slam. I'm going to jump on it. Uh, and, and if you attempt a grand slam, they're, the abolitionists think, okay, Let's go for the grand slam, and if we still might get a single out of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes a good point. Right. I get it. And so for me, Jeff, I'm like on everybody's side, and I think that frustrates. I'm on the abolitionist side. I think 
I think they're right. I think sometimes their their spirit is wrong. That's the problem I have with the abolitionists. I'm not sure how familiar you are. I didn't know anything about what I'm telling you about a year ago. I, I, I I'm, I'm, lear- that, I'm learning as the conversation's going. <laughs> dude, dude, like I, I knew because of the TCAP, the church at Planned Parenthood, I know way more than I ever wanted to know. Uh-huh. And I know way more than I ever did yeah. what, about what's going on in the, the anti-abortion movement. But you got the, the abolitionists. They have the right laws. They have the right ideas, I think, but they're 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 just jerks. Mm-hmm. They're mean. They're mean, man. They're <laughs> brutal. They're kind of like your hyper hyper Calvinists yeah. that think everybody that doesn't believe in tulip one hundred percent is going to hell, mm-hmm. and no Wesleyans like me can even get past the pearly gates. Uh, uh, so, but that's kind of how the abolitionists are. If your law isn't perfect, then they're gonna throw it out. They're going to throw you out, too. So they're kind of brutal people, but I think they have the right ideas. Then you got the pro-life people. I think they have the right spirit. They have the right attitude. Like you, like you're a pro-life guy. You, mm-hmm. well, you just explained. Uh, you didn't know this. You didn't know this, but yeah. you're not an abolitionist. Okay, you're interesting. You're a pro-life truck. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, you know what, 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 I th- what I think we should do is we, is we should make shirts that will say pro-life or abolitionist, and we'll just send it to the different people based on what category they are. Dude, it's like the old Baptists and Pentecostals when I grew up, man. Mm-hmm. You know, now, nowadays, Baptists and Pentecostals, uh, uh, like you and I, we'll hang out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but when I grew up, you know, it, it, they were, and, and literally, that's what's going on in the anti-abortion movement. You got the abolitionists, and they hate pro-lifers. And you got the pro-lifers, and they hate abolitionists. So you literally have denominations within the anti-abortion movement. And for me, I refuse to get labeled as either one. I like the abolitionist laws and ideas and many of the people. Mm-hmm. Many of the people within the abolitionist movement are precious people. But a lot of their people are absolute, absolutely brutal and don't have the fruit of the spirit. And then you got the pro-lifers who, who have the right spirit for the most part. They have the right attitude. They have the right goal. But sometimes they can be soft. Mm-hmm. And they don't come through when when times get you know heated. So anyway, th- now you know probably more than what you wanted to know. Yeah. Well. Well. You know, it, it, the thing is, is that it's it's all it's always interesting hearing these kinds of accounts and these kinds of stories because I feel like no matter what field you find yourself in, it's that same kind of infighting that almost always ruins. Uh, conservative principles and con- whether it's within the church, whether it's within politics, whether it's wh- whatever it is, for whatever reason, the left is always in lockstep, linking arms. They're, they're right. in it a hundred percent with us. We're just like all splintered off into all these little groups and all these little infighting. And we can't even get past ourselves to let alone take on the, the big dogs with the left. It's, right. it's pretty crazy how it happens just across the board, no matter what topic you're talking about. Isn't isn't that the truth, man? And we're not gonna we're not gonna beat Planned Parenthood and the Democrat machine by being completely fragmented. So I, I'm I'm going into this and I'm saying, hey, I'm anti-abortion. Mm-hmm. I'm anti-abortion. I don't know. I kind of lost my video there. Sorry. Oh, there you go. No, you're and, good. Um, anyway, I'm anti-abortion. I'm not going to be you know labeled. I'm, I guess I'm non-denominational in the, yeah. <laughs> in the abortion anti-abortion movement. I'm anti-abortion, right. and so. Yeah, we've got to unify, and that's why I've taken some heat too. Because I'll link arms with even the Catholics. You know, like okay, 
they've been making the Protestants look bad in some ways, the evangelicals. They've been active while the Protestants are, you know, in their four walls and not doing very much outside of those four walls. So now I'm not going to, like, get all ecumenical. Mm -hmm. They're not going to preach. No Catholic's going to probably preach for the church at Planned Parenthood. I might let them say something, you know, just an announcement or, uh, like, I had a scientist who was awesome, but she did. She wasn't up there preaching. She was just giving information, scientific information, right, right. Uh, at a portion of the service. So I'm not ecumenical, but man, I'm not going to like alienate the Catholics either. Like, it's time to unite the clans. Remember Braveheart? Mm-hmm. You know, and he goes up to that guy that eventually turned on him, I think. But he said, he said, let's unite the clans, and that's what really what we need to do to defeat abortion. Yeah. Well, you know, in, in that I think kind of brings it to an interesting conversation about the appropriateness of partnering with different people that you may disagree with on certain issues. Because I, I remember this really came to a head when Mitt Romney was running for president because mm. he was a yeah. Mormon. Yeah. And you had Glenn Beck, who's a Mormon, and they really rose to prominence. And, and, and a lot of Christians were speaking with and partnering with especially Glenn Beck and that sort of thing. And I feel like to a certain degree the problem there was that all the Christians were basically saying, okay, you claim that you're a Christian even though we know they're Mormon. But they were almost like giving them credibility as fellow believers. And I remember even Franklin Graham, I think, said that he believes that that Mitt Romney is saved because he says he believes in Jesus. Like to me, that was compromise, right? Right, right. But at the same time, should we or shouldn't we be uniting with some of these people that we may – while we disagree theologically, I don't believe Glenn Beck is saved. But at the same time, somebody like them are very strong pro-life and agree with us on a political level. From that standpoint, should we be partnering with people across the aisle and across religions to save lives within this within this movement? Yeah, man, it is a fine line. It is a it is it is really tough to navigate because because I want to work with you, but not endorse everything about you. Mm -hmm. And so how do you do that? Like, I'm trying to figure that out. How do I work with the Catholics? without endorsing Catholicism, because obviously I I do not like Catholicism, but I appreciate that they're helping with the with the cause more than some of the Protestants are. So, mm-hmm. you know, and I've had different speakers from different denominations, and, and uh, I've taken a lot of flack for different speakers I've had come up because their doctrine isn't, you know, as squeaky clean orthodox as as maybe yours Mm -hmm. or a five point Calvinist or like, I think my doctrines, right. I'm Wesleyan, right. Guaranteed were the right ones. Well, well, Hey, you, you already, you already said that the most squeaky clean is the five point Calvinist. So I'm just going to leave it at that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess I trapped myself there, but uh, there's a, there's another level beyond squeaky clean and that's called Wesleyan. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, I, you know, uh, I had guys speak that that weren't as squeaky clean orthodox. <laughs> there it is again, and and, and uh, now take take criticism for it. But but then again, the speaker was was I know born again. They weren't Mormon. They weren't Catholic. They weren't Jehovah's Witness. They were evangelical, mm-hmm. and and they they were really skilled in this area. Uh, for instance, I've got. Uh, I hope you don't. 
you know, not play your podcast now because I'm telling you this, but I've got, I've got, have you heard of the activist mommy? Uh, yeah, the, that name does sound familiar. Yeah. She's pretty big all over Facebook and, and even Twitter now, activist mommy, Elizabeth Johnston. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's going to be my speaker in, in, in August. Well, there you go. You have a woman preacher. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that's a controversial subject, but here's the deal. This is, this is about stopping the un, the, the murder of the unborn. And um, some people are against women preachers. I'm against women elders. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of people are against women preachers. I respect that. There's a lot, there's scripture that it looks like that in, in many cases. So I totally respect that, but I'm going to have a woman speaker. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a little unorthodox for a lot of people, but like I said, this, this is for me, it's about the, the cause of the unborn. So it, man, it's tough. It's tough to navigate this stuff. Yeah. Well, it, it really is because it, it's, it's some of those things that, you know, even, even with me and I was telling you before we, we jumped on this podcast, but even for me trying to, trying to just figure out the logistics of people that I'm going to have as guests on the podcast or people that we're going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to allow write a guest blog on the website or just even, you know, publicly retweet. It's like, at you know, it's this weird thing of trying to figure out, okay, where is the line? Right. What's appropriate? What's honoring to God without compromising? Because I think, because I think the common thing for a lot of us in a lot of these different areas is that none of us want to cross the line. None of us want to disobey God, but it, it's just, it's just a matter of figuring out, okay, what is biblical? What is appropriate? If we're going to actually accomplish some of these things like limit abortion or get rid of it altogether, you know, I think it's possible to be too loose and I think it's possible to be too tight. Mm -hmm. And so like, where's the sweet spot? I don't know. I think that's what you're wondering a little bit as you're doing your podcast. You got to know where that sweet spot is. And that's what I'm searching for. Where's the sweet spot? Some people I think are are way too guilt by association. And if you even shake hands with somebody, they like, ah, you know, that's horrible. Right. And yeah. then, then some people would have a Jehovah's witness or a Mormon speak at their church at Planned Parenthood. I never would. Mm-hmm. I would never have a, uh, somebody preach, uh, uh, that wasn't evangelical and, uh, of the same mindset. Yeah. So it, it's hard. It's really a hard fine line, but I think there is a sweet spot in the middle. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, you know, again, let's, I want to throw out like a hypothetical. So we're, right. not, we're not dealing, let's say we're not going to do, we're not talking about having a church service like the, the Church of Planned Parenthood. But let's just okay. say it's just like an abortion event, right? Right. So mm-hmm. would you say that there, that there would be a different standard for who you would invite to speak at just, let's say, an abortion, an anti-abortion event versus to speak at your church at Planned Parenthood? That's a very good distinction that you made right there. So I see, just as you're speaking, I see three distinctions. There's the local church that I pastor. Mm-hmm. I have a standard for that. Then there's the church at Planned Parenthood. I literally, I have a different standard for that. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, because it involves more denominations. There, there are people that I would have speak there that I would never let speak in the local church that I pastor. Mm-hmm. Right? So... So, um, and then there's like what you're talking about, the event. And I would have a different standard for that as well. So as you're talking, I'm thinking, yeah, that's a great point, Jeff. I have three different standards just that I'm thinking of in my mind right now of who I would let speak from the pulpit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, 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 so when you're, when you're kind of breaking, when you're breaking that down, I know you're kind of doing it on the fly. 
what what would be some of those standards as you're kind of thinking through that that you would that you would apply to each of those different kinds of events yeah like like if it's just an event i might let the the a catholic pro-life organization maybe their leader i would probably let them speak mm-hmm. now i wouldn't let a catholic preach at the church at planned parenthood they would need to be an evangelical mm-hmm. and uh and then i might ha- let a five-point Calvinist preach. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you know, truth be told, I I let five-point Calvinists uh, preach from my church pulpit as well. But I will say this. I'm a little little more sparing about how many five-point Calvinists I have preached from my Wesleyan pulpit Mm -hmm. in our church uh, because a lot of five-point Calvinists can't help but push Calvinism. That's true. That is true. (laughs) like if they could stay away from it and just find that subject that Wesleyans and Calvinists both believe, it'd be no problem. But, <laughs> but I noticed not to pick on you, bro, yeah, but yeah. I noticed a lot of five point Calvinists, they'll, they'll, they'll like slide stuff in. They, they, oh yeah. They, you know, and so I'm a little more sparing with yeah. the five point <laughs> Calvinists that I have come in. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, but I would have no problem ever with five point Calvinists preaching at the church at Planned Parenthood because their message is going to be on the sanctity of life and the preciousness of uh, these babies and, and the great Holocaust that's going on in America. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I mean, because it's interesting because it's one of those things where I feel like, again, everybody wants the clear-cut lines and the clear-cut distinctions. And the problem is I feel like a lot of times we apply those way too broadly. And it's like there there is nuance when it comes to standards and even biblical principles. And there are circumstantial, you know, circumstances, you know, like, for example, even dealing with the the issue of women preachers. It's right. Clearly, biblically speaking, and I feel, and I think you and I both agree, uh, eldership is reserved for yeah. men. Yeah. For, like you 100%. look at scripture. Yeah, it's there. Right. But but then you get into can a woman teach at a conference. It's not a church service. It's not an eldership, but it's at a conference or at an event or, you know, then you start getting into these things and everybody wants to have that strict hard line in the sand. But it's like, but is that actually biblical? You know? Yeah. Amen. I mean, there's got to be a certain amount of wisdom. Yeah. You know, I think the issue in scripture about um, men and women was the, the, the issue was, Number one, headship. Mm-hmm. Who who's leading the church? Who's in charge? Who's the authority of the church? And and uh, elders are to be in charge of the church, mm-hmm. and they are to be clearly men because God goes into He goes into uh, a creation order. God made the man first, mm-hmm. and then the woman. So it's you can't say, well, that's cultural. That no creation order is not cultural. That's creation order. Yeah. Right. So so that's clear. But um, does that mean and the Bible also says for women to be quiet in church, but that doesn't mean they walk around with tape on their mouth so they can't even talk. Mm-hmm. I think I think Paul was talking about disrupting church services and and being a distraction when the church service should be done decently in order. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was the issue there. So how much should women speak in church? Well, the Bible talks about when. When a woman prophesies, she should do it with her head covered. Or when she, uh, you know, prays, it should be with her head covered. And men shouldn't have their head covered, which is a sign that they're under Christ. And women are under men. Like all that's in there. So I don't. So yeah, there's just there's just 
it's not just so hard line yeah. that you can't ever, um, you know, say, well, hey, the activist mommy, she can't, I'm going to let her speak to mm-hmm. this culture. And quite frankly, a lot of men are, even pastors, are doing nothing and saying nothing while our uh, local plan, happy Planned Parenthood is butchering babies. So maybe it takes an activist mommy to, to speak up since all the guys are being quiet. So anyway, yeah. no, no, that, that, that's a, that's a fair, that's a fair critique because I feel like what ends up happening is because it is a, it is a very political thing. A lot, a lot of churches are like avoiding all the political things, obviously, unless it's a leftist <laughs> ideology, but just, but just in general, it's like, well, we don't want to take a stand because it's, it's de- too divisive based on politics and whatever it is. And it's like, I would agree with that on certain things, but when you're dealing with this, this is clearly like a a biblical issue that it does need to be enforced by government because it is an actual justice issue, not a social justice issue, but an actual justice issue. And I think that that's why it's so important. And it really is sad that so many pastors avoid even just talking about it. Like, even if they don't want to go out and do like what you're doing, like a church of Planned Parenthood and this whole big thing. But just like even just be preaching about it because unfortunately there's people in churches that are getting abortions. And I think a lot of it is because they're not being trained from a young age about what is okay, what is not okay, and and that whole thing. And I think the more we can talk about a lot of these issues, even just within church, the better I think overall. Yeah, what, what preachers do we talk about when it comes to Nazi – uh, Germany slaughtering uh, Jews. We don't talk about all the, we don't revere the pastors that said nothing and just went along with Hitler and didn't get political and just preached the Bible and never talked about the fact that Germans were methodically uh, destroying Jews and even in the end murdering them by the millions. Who do we revere? Who do we respect? Guys like Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Dietrich mm-hmm. Bonhoeffer stood up and he spoke out. And, and he's the guy that, that said um, to be silent uh, is, is to say something. To do nothing is to do something. Uh, so Bonhoeffer was very clear. Pastors, you've got to speak out. And, and about him and 10% of the pastors in Nazi Germany spoke out and they were pretty much all destroyed. 90% of the preachers in Nazi Germany went right along with Hitler, didn't say anything and just preached the Bible at church and didn't address the fact that their own country and their own leaders were murdering a a group of people and and God's original chosen people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, so I think when, when we're looking at, you know, basically telling peace pastors to be talking about this more like you know i feel like a lot a lot of people especially within you know if you want to talk about the five point calvinist and that sort of thing it's very expositional verse by verse you know that sort of thing and clearly you know the bible doesn't directly talk about abortion in the sense of like it, what we probably didn't even really have the technology for that to the degree that we do now but right. but so should should pastors be doing like topical sermons on this should it be like a regular thing that they're talking about in general like how how do we do how do we educate the church 
in the right way without taking away from the regular verse-by-verse theological training that pastors should be doing anyway. Right, and that's a great uh, point and and a great question that you you bring up because I I try to do expository and go through books of the Bible verse-by-verse and all that, but, you know, there's pastors have what they call rabbit trails (laughs) that, that they take whether you're doing expository or topical, I do primarily expository, but once in a while I'll jump off and don't tell anybody this, uh, but I'll do a topical and I'll hit a subject like the Holy spirit or because I'm Wesleyan, we talk about things like holiness, you Mm -hmm. know, things like that. And so I'll do a series on, on holiness. Well, that's topical, but I, even when I go topical or, or thematic, I, I still try to preach expository. I try to take a text of scripture and with it in context, uh, uh, be be fair and be accurate uh, with a text and pull things out of it. So you can be expository even under a theme or, or maybe even a topic. But whether you're expository or topical in whatever you're preaching on or thematic, um, you can insert stuff. On, and that's all you need to do. You don't have to do like one. I, I don't even like the whole one sermon a year we're gonna, on pro-life Sunday. We're going to mm-hmm. talk about abortion. To me, the Holocaust that's going on in our country should be so in us and should burden us so heavily that it's coming out all the time. And mm-hmm. it, it might even get mentioned every Sunday or every other Sunday. Why? Because it's in us. And we're not going to stand for, for, for killing these uh, innocent unborn babies. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think, so I think also the other side of it too is when we're looking at educating our churches and educating people as well, I feel like there, there are a lot more resources now too. I mean, you've got podcasts, you've got videos on YouTube, you've got like all that kind of stuff to where even if pastors, they don't feel like, okay, I can't talk about this every week for whatever reason, like they can still be share, like sharing this information. There's so many different avenues to do this or partner with an organization or just something. And because to me, I think education is key. And one of the, one of the things that I really like about uh, like Steven Crowder, when he goes out and he does to change my mind segments, but he has that piece of paper there that shows the, the, the development of the baby in the, in the womb. And he's like, okay, at what point is this not a life? And it's really interesting when you put that visual in front of somebody how a lot of times they'll be a lot more pro-life than they would have been without the visual. And it's, it's really fascinating. I think that that's, that really shows that education is key because I think people don't, it's like they don't, because they can't visualize it, they can't apply it. It's really weird. Yeah, I think, I think uh, it's a huge benefit of even having social media. So, okay, if you're a pastor, you don't want to, you know, do little inserts like I do all the time in my sermons, you know, get on Facebook. There's so much stuff. There's 4d uh, pictures. Now uh, there's babies that live at, you know, that are born at 20 weeks and they survive and they make it. You can see how big there's pictures of Facebook. There's Twitter, at least Facebook about it, at least tweet about it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we, we, we have to speak out in some way, shape or form. If you're not going to do it from your pulpit, I do it from my pulpit unashamedly mm-hmm. um, if you're not going to do it from from the pulpit then at least find those other avenues like you said and and have your pictures have your you know whatever illustration you need your object lesson uh, in order to share about it yeah now now ha- have you had any experience 
um, with response from either, let's say, pro-choice people. Like, has have you have you had experiences with people where they're either like change their mind or they become receptive to some of the things that you've been saying since you've been doing everything with the plan, the Church of Planned Parenthood? You know, I I haven't had a lot of people that I know of that have like switched over necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, we're just trying to activate the church and get the church doing something and and doing what Jesus said, taking the bushel off of our light. Now, I think a lot of times our church buildings have become safe spaces for Christians, and and we we love to sing and read the Bible. We get all in our little huddle, holy huddle, or mm-hmm. we get into an arena for a big conference or whatever. But what we're doing is we're taking the bushel off the light, which is what Jesus said, and letting it shine before men so that they might glorify our Father, uh, which is heaven. So, um, so that's that's the primary. Um, Thing that I think is being accomplished is the world, the news, the newspaper that we were on the front page of the Spokane newspaper, like front page yeah. and, 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 uh, the, the, the television and they're seeing Christians shine forth their light and make a statement about how the church feels uh, about this issue. Yeah. Well, you know, that, that's one of the things that I do like about like what, what you're doing with this project to a certain degree is I think that what ends up happening a lot of times, especially for whatever reason, ever since the, the seeker sensitive movement really took hold, it really changed evangelism a lot. So it used to be to where, or the way it's supposed to be is where the pastors are training the, the congregants and then the congregants are going out into the world and doing ministry. Like that's, that's the order that's explained in, in the Bible. What's happening though nowadays, it seems like is that the pastors are the ones that do all the ministry and then the church comes to sit back and watch the pastor do ministry. And then the pa- if anything's going to happen, it's the pastor going out, going out and doing it. And so evangelism, evangelism eventually becomes go out and invite your friends to church. That becomes evangelism. And so whereas I, what I like about you guys, you, you guys are actually taking it outside of your church walls and going out into the world and preaching the gospel, going out into the world and being in the world, but clearly not of it. And I feel like that's that's the way that you outreach to the to the lost and to the world, as opposed to saying you need to come to our church on our terms before you even come to Christ. Yeah, that became the strategy. The strategy uh, became have the coolest worship leader with skinny jeans and really cool hair like like Jeff. Yeah, and. and uh, uh, have the cool lights and the smoke and the coolest building you possibly have and the most hip and cool preacher that you could possibly have and make church as awesome as you possibly can. And hey, go invite people to church and they'll come to church and go, wow, this is amazing. And then they'll get saved. But like you said, that's not the model we were given in scripture. Yeah. Jesus never said to build the coolest, hippest, uh, most relevant church you possibly can and invite people there and maybe they'll think you're cool enough so they'll want to be like you and get saved you know as well as i do that's not how you preach the gospel you need people going out like you said being equipped in church to go out and do the work of the ministry and preach the gospel for for what the gospel is and the gospel is not hey here's how you can be as cool as me the gospel Mm -hmm. is you're, you're a sinner you're under the wrath of god and you need a sacrifice uh, to be the sacrifice for your sin or God's wrath is going to be on you. But if you'll receive Christ, the sacrifice for your sin, your sins can be forgiven and you can have everlasting life. So so that's the message we need uh, to be preaching. And I've noticed, Jeff, that um, 
our th- this church at Planned Parenthood has changed our church because people we have become a, a church that is active now. We're not fat, lazy. Bless me, Jesus. I'm going to come to church and sit in my latte and do my social club thing. No, church has a bigger purpose now. It's it's not just about the gathering. It's about the going. Mm-hmm. And and it's completely revolutionized our church. Just getting out the Planned Parenthood and getting in the mix and uh, and letting our light shine. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, now, when you when you are doing like the Church of Planned Parenthood, is is the focus is the focus doing the worship service and then educating people on the abortion issue? Is it more evangelistic? Like, what ends up being your your strategy from that perspective? Uh, that's a great question. You know, the the, the probably the main thrust, uh, not probably the main thrust is repentance. Mm-hmm. Were there were there repenting um, for being apathetic as the church as the bride of Christ? Uh, we're repenting on behalf of our country, um, and then we are we are praying and we are asking God to help us defeat uh, this this Holocaust and eliminate it. Um, so I think that's the primary purpose. But like last night, I had a scientist speak for five minutes on how they are putting fetal tissue in medicines, in makeup, mm-hmm. in in vaccinations, and how that, that money is driving things. And, and uh, so I had a scientist educating. So yes, education is majorly involved. And then I had a speaker preach kind of the biblical message of, hey, we, we need to love people, but and do it in in a with a with an attitude of love, but we also need to speak the truth. And so, uh, yeah, so it kind of includes all of that education and 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 preaching the biblical uh, worldview of what abortion is. But primarily, I think our message is: let's repent and let's pray and let's worship, declaring that our God is greater. And though. We have a mountain that seems too big. Um, our God is bigger than that mountain. Yeah, definitely. Now, yeah, no, I know you guys. You guys have you guys started out in Spokane, and but you but you're starting to branch out, and, and you're having more locations and, and that sort of thing, right? Bro, last night at the same exact time that we were having a service in Spokane, Yakima, Washington, was having a service at the exact time, and Everett in the Seattle area mm-hmm. was having a church at Planned Parenthood at the exact same time. So we had three simultaneous church services going on at Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. But not only in the state of Washington is that happening, but there are two that are cropping up in the Atlanta area <clears throat> at the same time. They haven't even had the first service yet, but I've been talking with the people that are doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's been one in Oklahoma City. One in uh, Lafayette, Indiana just happened. They just had their first service. Uh, Indianapolis has already had multiple services. So yes, these are spreading. They're, they're spreading. And I believe, I believe they're going to continue to spread because I believe it's an idea from the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now if, if, if somebody is wanting to do something like this, what would you recommend for them to do or how do they go about it or that, or that sort of thing? Well, they can definitely get a hold of me. That's for sure. On uh, the, you can, they can find my 
Uh, my email address, by the way, is pastorken at church. if you want to contact me. But what I did is the first thing I did was I went to the Planned Parenthood that I wanted to start a church service at and just spied it out. Just kind of got the lay of the land, figured out where the preacher's going to be, where the band is going to be, where the congregation would stand or sit or whatever. And so you just kind of get the layout of the land. You got to get a little PA system most likely. Although our first service, I didn't have a PA system. I just yelled. Yeah. I just yelled. <laughs> and then I realized with all the cars flying by and, and everything going on that I was going to need a, a little PA system. So we got a portable uh, generator, uh, battery operated that we could hook up a, a, a soundboard to. And we got speakers and mics. It's just kind of grown as we've gone. And so you just get you just get prepared. It's kind of like planting a church. You get prepared. I have a safety team. I have an usher team. You know, I have um, just the the worst the setup, tear down the ushers. You know, it's just like planting a church, and you kind of need all those elements. The only thing we don't have is like a, a youth pastor or or a children's <laughs> pastor. You know, necessary. But but the production of of service, it's all there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. You know, and, and, and the other cool thing that that I did want to bring up as well is because you know because we've got the the book that's coming out called Social Injustice, and and you're on and you're you're writing a chapter on these this issue of abortion because I you know and the reason why I I thought of you to do this was because you know we're gonna be we're confronting a bunch of different issues within the social justice movement, which is just basically taking the church completely progressive, completely left, that sort of thing. Yeah. But this yeah. abortion issue is the one actual justice issue that we should be dealing with. Like all these mm-hmm. other social justice issues, it's kind of like if this these perceived offenses based on oppressors yeah. and oppressees and whatever it is. Whereas this is like the one issue that we should actually be concerned about, but people aren't really that concerned about it. So I'm really glad to have you on. But if you kind of want to talk a little bit about like what what the at least like the focus of the chapter is that you're going to be writing on writing here. Yeah, the, the focus of the chapter is is going to be, uh, and by the way, thank you for asking me. It, it's a great honor that you asked me to do this chapter. I, I, I never thought I, that would happen. I but... couldn't think of anybody better. <laughs> Thanks so much. It, it really is an honor that you asked me. Um, abortion is the slavery of our day. And it, it, it it's not just a made-up issue, like you said. It's it's not like this narrative. It's not a straw man issue where we make up some problem and then we go after it. So everybody thinks I'm something that I'm not. No, this is absolute bloody. It's bloody. There's blood when they go stick instruments into the, the womb of a mom and go after human life and rip limbs and and just as in Abraham's Lincoln's day, uh, slavery was the issue of that day. It was the issue. Now, people try to say, well, the Civil War is about states' rights and all that. And, and, and I wasn't back then, but I do know that slavery was a big part. Of, and it was the issue. Mm-hmm. And it cost Abraham Lincoln his life. Uh, he was murdered for it. And and many, many American lives were lost in the Civil War. And it was over the evil, money-driven, uh, sin-infested uh, issue. And like you said, real injustice of enslaving somebody because of the color of their skin. 
England had gone through it before. Then America got their act together and finally dealt with it. But that's our that's abortion today. And the problem with the social justice movement is it takes abortion. And I'm going to hit this in the chapter. All right. It takes abortion and marginalizes it. It pulls abortion down and makes it equal with about 50 other things. So why not vote Democrat then? Because I care about this issue and abortion is just another issue and you care about that issue so I can be a Democrat and you can be a Republican. Forget Democrat, Republican. That's not, that's not my point here. My point here is abortion is here and your perceived racism is right down here somewhere until abortion gets fixed, mm-hmm. you know? So, so that's something I'm going to be hitting is the mar- the great marginalization of abortion and propping up of other things that aren't near as important. And that's, that's a great evil that the social justice movement has brought into the church of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and the thing I was just thinking about as, as you were saying this, what is that part, part of the problem and part of the reason why I think that that's happening Again, it kind of goes back to the whole seeker-sensitive movement where the church is trying to reach out to people and, you know, that sort of thing. But this really comes back to the whole intersectionality, you know, side of things. So I, th- I think that what's happening is, especially when we're dealing with social justice that's happening within the church, it's these church leaders that are trying to reach out to certain sects of people to draw them into the church and bring them in. So if they say, look, we feel your pain, we'll help you, come on in, that's fine. But then the problem is that when you're dealing with abortion, you don't have a target audience like that, which I think is why they devalue it because it's because the the victims are no longer. But but I but I think that 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 is kind of the difference here is that the vi- the victims of social justice can be pandered to, can be attracted to the church, can do all that kind of stuff. The victims of abortion are no more, and I think that that's the key distinction. Man, you make a great point. You should, <laughs> you should have a podcast, bro. That 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 that's an absolutely great point. Uh, there's the, the the unborn aren't gonna vote for you. The unborn aren't gonna tithe. They're not gonna join your church. And so they're they're, you know, this new neo Calvinist um, um, TGC movement is that you know they have been so outspoken against the seeker-sensitive movement in times past, and now they're just developing their own version of seeker-sensitivity. That's I think you're nailing it. Seeker-sensitivity in order to save them instead of, no, we as the Church of Jesus Christ, we are boldly, humbly, but boldly pro-life. Mm-hmm. We as the Church of Jesus Christ are humbly, but boldly pro-biblical marriage. And we want you to be saved, and we want you to receive Jesus. But if you come into Christ and come into the church and come into faith, you're going to have to embrace us. We're not going to embrace you and your value, you as a soul, but not your values Mm -hmm. in order to bring you to us. It's fear, it's compromise, it's pandering, and and it's TGC and the social justice movement. It's just another version of limp-wristed uh, Christianity. 
Yeah, yeah, and it's like it's like to a certain degree, it, all they need to do is take a stand. I mean, they you know that they have the knowledge, you know that they understand this stuff, but I, but I think what they're doing is is they're looking at the statistics, they're looking at the numbers, they're looking at the lost money. People aren't going to church as much, and I think they realize if they do take a stand, I think in their mind it could backfire and they could continue to keep losing more people. But in reality, I think the reason why people are leaving is because there's no need to go to church anymore because these pastors are compromising. They're being seeker sensitive. They're not training people up. They're not teaching them theology. They're not teaching them. This is what you have to believe. This is what you have to do. And so people are just like, why do I need to keep coming back and hear the same sermon every single week? (laughs) You know what I mean? And, yeah, and I think I think that that's that's why we're having this problem to where now we have an illiterate church for the most part. They don't understand theology, and now they don't even understand politics. They don't even understand any anything really anymore. You know, the greatest achievement of the seeker sensitive movement was was to, and it did work. The last half of their name it worked. It's called. It made us all sensitive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the, the seeker sensitive movement made us all sensitive. Now, now we have a sensitive church and we have sensitive people and we need safe spaces now. And we have cute, fuzzy Christians and they, they all, they all like lattes and I like lattes and they, they, they <laughs> skinny jeans and, and cool. And we're all hip and oh, we're all so sensitive. Yeah. But man, if I remember right, God is called the Lord of hosts mm-hmm. and we're supposed to be Christian soldiers and we're in the army of God and Paul said to be a good soldier we're supposed to have this thing called armor like spiritual armor mm-hmm. for a battle uh, the Bible Paul didn't say have a cup of coffee he said have a sword of the spirit yeah <laughs> he didn't say have a nice fuzzy pair of slippers he said have your feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace mm-hmm. so so there is an absolute battle aspect to Christianity and the seeker sensitive movement and now the social gospel gospel uh, movement is just just weakening the army of God. So when the enemy comes in like a flood and the attack of the enemy hits our communities, you, you don't have the church rising up and saying, no, you're not going to do drag queen story hour at our public library paid for by our tax dollars mm-hmm. and pervert little children and promote your 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 sexual deviancy and your gender bending on on little kids no we're going to stand up as the church of Jesus Christ and say stay away from the children that's not going to happen because the church would have a warrior mindset instead we have a bunch of latte sipping overly sensitive uh Christians and us preachers are the reason for that we've been afraid to take a stand yeah well and and to be fair a lot of this is a symptom of the problem with the church going more and more left and and we know that this is we know that this is a fact we know that this was an intentional strategy to by you know going all the way back with dealing with cultural marxism and all that kind of stuff to infiltrate the education system infiltrate the seminaries. This is what we, you know, we've been training all of our pastors in the seminaries to do. But really, what it is is they're implementing intersectionality, which we're seeing constantly on the on the left by guys like Bernie Sanders and AOC and basically every single person that was on the debate stage last night. 
Like literally all they do is they see people as groups of people. You're no longer an individual, but you're just a group. And if we can pander to that group, then now you're a vote. And I think that what's happening is these church leaders, they don't see people as individual souls to save. They see people as their identity, depending depending on what group they're looking at. And then they can pander to them to try to get them to come in, go to church, and then donate to their organization. And that's that's really what's happening. All they're doing is literally just borrowing the strategy of the Democratic Party and the liberal agenda. And it's, it's, I never thought that I would have seen this in the church, and it's just happening so quickly. We talked before about money being kind of the undercurrent and drive of like Planned Parenthood and, and different organizations. Um, but it's, it's definitely alive and well in the church. When a church has become a big machine. Now, I pastor a mid-sized church. We're about 250, 300. So I don't deal with the temptation. So I don't want to sit here and throw a stone. But I do know this, even in, on our small scale with our Christian schools and, and whatnot, if your church decreases, if the tithe goes out the window, if, if people stop coming to your church, if you get some big political disagreement going on within the church, that's a heavy risk. Now you've got people you're going to have to lay off. The, and and then they're going to be hurt and they're going to be upset and the machine doesn't keep growing and rolling. Now you make it about your success. Like you said, identity. Uh, and now you don't feel successful because your church isn't growing. Unfortunately, the marketplace has entered the church instead of the church entered the marketplace and pastors have become CEOs and we're operating this huge company machinery and it's a big problem. So now pastors are afraid to be prophets in our day mm-hmm. and speak prophetically what, what what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is evil. And now we just pan, we tiptoe and we pander and we are soft and we're losing our country before our very eyes while preachers are going along business as usual we can't do that anymore jeff 40 years ago i wouldn't have dreamed that they do drag queen story hour in our public libraries would have never dreamed it it's a different i never dreamed that june would be immorality month in our country but but here we are and we can no longer afford to stay silent on uh the the issues that are destroying this nation yeah yeah no i i I totally agree and i think it kind of as we're closing a little bit but also like when we're looking at Okay, what can the average person do? Because I feel like what what ends up what what I've noticed about a lot of these issues, especially dealing with social justice and intersectionality and just the the downgrade of the church, it's really crazy to me. But it's usually the congregants that see it before a lot of the pastors. Luckily, you're one of the pa- you're one of the few pastors that I've talked that I've spoken to that actually sees this kind of stuff happening and is taking a stand and that sort of thing. But if, if somebody's just going, I'm starting to see all this compromise in the church or they're not talking about abortion. They're not talking about these issues that we're facing. What, what's the next step? What, what can the average believer do? We're seeing that with the church at Planned Parenthood. And that is a grassroots movement. See, um, I have, I found, thank God about 15 pastors that are with me a hundred percent and that have joined this cause with the church at Planned Parenthood and are taking a public stand. But the majority of pastors won't touch Planned Parenthood. They won't touch this issue. 
Um, so what we need, Jeff, is a grassroots movement. We got to bypass the pastors. Mm-hmm. Pastors have become CEOs. Not all of them. I'm not castigating all of them. There are some really good, real deal uh, pastors that are boldly proclaiming the word and standing up for righteousness and taking those opportunities to do good. But there's a large group of them that are pandering social justice movement, seeker sensitive, bless me club churches where pastors are running companies as CEOs. And so we're going to have to bypass them and, and just from the bottom and really pastors are supposed to be the servant of all. They're supposed to be the slave of all and be the bottom. But Mm -hmm. speaking in American terms from bottom up grassroots movement, people just need to say, Hey, my pastor might not lead me to, to be active in this area or be active in that area, but I'm going to, I'm going to do it anyway, not out of rebellion, just, just out of submission for the word of God. And, and maybe not wait around for your pastor till Jesus comes again or you die. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and I think that kind of goes along with what we were talking about earlier is that you, like, as the as the concrete, as the person that's going to church, as just the regular believer, you're supposed to be the one that's actually doing ministry. Like, when you go to church, like you, as Pastor Ken, your job is to train your congregation yeah. on how to do ministry. So. Yeah. If you if you see okay my pastor's not doing it well maybe number one maybe it's not primarily his job maybe it's primarily our job as me not a pastor to yeah. actually go out and do something right yeah you know, the pastor's job is to equip the saints mm-hmm. for the work of the fivefold equip the saints for the work of the ministry that that's our job not yeah you, you're right on it and, and so what I'm trying to do in our church I'm not saying I'm the perfect pastor uh, I'm not. I'm not saying that all other pastors are bad and I'm amazing, but, but I will say this, the church at Planned Parenthood has turned our church into a battle-minded, warrior-minded, evangelistic, like you were talking about before. We are also uh, the, one of the main churches. We're, we're not the biggest church by any stretch of the imagination, mm-hmm. but we're one of the main churches that is going door to door, handing out the Jesus film, handing out tracts, handing out, uh, uh, it, you know, invitations to the church, all, you know, all at once we're going door to door evangelizing. So, so our people have developed a warrior mindset and evangelistic mindset. And unfortunately that's not happening in much of the church world today. Yeah, that, I, I, I totally agree. And I, and I, and I really commend you too for everything that you're doing with the church at Planned Parenthood. And I feel, and I feel like a lot of people talk the talk, but I feel like you're actually walking the walk, which is, which is really refreshing to see because a lot of people can talk, they'll talk your ear off, <laughs> right? But but, but at least you, you you actually went out, you organized a bunch of people, you've got you're getting hundreds of people that are showing up to your services at Planned Parenthood, and you're and you're you're actually doing something. You're actually getting noticed. You're getting the world to actually take a look at it to where even if all it does is it gets people talking about the issue. I feel like that's the important thing is if we can really push and foster more conversation and more awareness and more education, we may be able to get somewhere in this fight to limit and ultimately get rid of abortion altogether. Yeah. And thank you so much for, for what you said about me and and just the fact that we're out there doing something. And, and, you know, once, once you get a taste for doing something, just talking is no longer good enough. There's such there's such a joy mm-hmm. and such a fulfillment um, that you can get addicted to 
in in really going out and doing the good and being the salt that Christ has asked us to be, being the light that he's asked us to be. And once you go there and you kind of get used to that and you get used to that joy, you can't ever go back again uh, without without being totally lukewarm and, and, and you know, just just becoming, a, well, Jesus said, the salt that loses its flavor ends up good for nothing except to be thrown out and trampled on by men. Mm-hmm. And I don't want that to be um, the case in, in my life. Yeah, definitely. You know, and I really appreciate you coming back on it. And the thing is, is that the the thing that I like is is because we were able to actually talk about things that you're again, like that you're actually doing and things that are actually yes. happening. And it, yeah. it's it's been fun seeing the process and the progress that that you've made with the Church of Planned Parenthood since you know last time we talked here on the podcast. You were just like had your website barely, barely just up, and then now, I mean, you've been on what? How how many different interviews now since? <laughs> Man, I've been on the 700 Club. I've been on, I, I, you know, Glenn Beck. You name it. They've post, they've posted about it, and I've uh, been on the news over and over. So, and I've been on the GK yes. podcast, the GK Podcast Network. Yes, boom. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, so if people want more information on some, some of this stuff, like the Church of Planned Parenthood, just to be educated about all this, like how can they follow you and follow what's going on and that sort of thing. Absolutely. We have a website, thechurchatplannedparenthood.com. And so anybody can just kind of keep track of us there. But I'm super active on my The Church at Planned Parenthood Facebook page. On our Facebook page, I'm posting constant videos of our services, little clips, little pictures. I have a page called Ken Peters, The Church at Planned Parenthood. So um, that's probably the best way to follow because I'm, I'm a constant promoter of this. And Facebook is is the main. I try to get on Twitter a little bit just so I can hang out with with you guys. Yeah. But because um, you guys seem to really like Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> but but Facebook is more conducive for videos mm-hmm. and, and video clips. And so really, Facebook is the avenue that I use. So follow me on Facebook, Ken Peters, the Church at Planned Parenthood. It'd be awesome. It'd be uh, an honor to have you follow me. Yeah, definitely, and then and then also too, if you get if you guys want to pre-order the book that we were talking about, social injustice, you guys can go to socialinjusticebook.com. Uh, again, Ken's writing the chapter on abortion, and uh, he gave you he gave you guys kind of the preview of what he's going to be writing about and that sort of thing. But use use the code Ken, you guys can get a free audio book version of of the book as well. Um, but yeah, again, thanks so much for coming on, and I, I always enjoy our talks and. It's been, it's been fun hanging out for the last hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> wow. Hey, thanks for asking me again. And thanks for uh, asking me to do a chapter in the book. And, and uh, I appreciate you, bro. You're, it means a lot. Of course, definitely. So and you guys, make sure you guys follow him on social media. Get the book. Just fo- follow, follow them and get involved where you can. So, And uh, we'll see you guys next week. HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. 
Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforyoumc.org.